Good morning, friends of the Rockney Cast. I'm broadcasting live from Austin, Iowa. And for today's Rockney Cast, we're going to discuss the work of Jonah Hill and my new major man crush, Phil Stutz. I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time after watching the movie slash documentary called Stutz, which is on Netflix. So next time you got, you're hanging around with your spouse and you're like, honey, what should we watch? And you're just like, I don't know. Let's watch this and watch that. Watch Stutz. And also buy the book Tools by Barry Michaels and Phil Stutz because it's this incredible book about how to improve your life, how to deal with tough issues. And Phil Stutz is like, he's freaking awesome. So I thought I would share with you kind of just like, Flash the spotlight on Phil Stutz, how I learned about Phil Stutz. I had a major man crush on Phil Stutz. And offer a couple of my observations based upon the work of Phil Stutz as it applies in my life and hopefully your life. And I just wanted to let you know, I just realized I said, and... I've noticed that I say that a lot in my podcast and and so in um so I'm I I'm like a junior high podcaster and learning and growing. I'm trying to get rid of my fillers that I use, including the word and um and so. So bear with me, friends of the Rocky Cast. I'm trying to develop my radio voice for you all. For this episode of the Rockney Cast, we are going to discuss Phil Stutz, as I mentioned. We're going to discuss, number one, how I learned about him and why he's so freaking freaking awesome. Number two, we're going to discuss his central theme, like what drives Phil Stutz as counselor to the stars. And is he really that good? Is there like a book that you can get called The Secret? Where if only you know the secret, your life is going to be totally transformed. We're going to discuss number three, the concept of a shadow self. Ooh, what's a shadow self? Oh my God. I have no idea what a shadow self is. We're going to learn about their shadow self. And four, we're going to discuss the, cop, the concept of jeopardy. Jeopardy, baby. Ooh, jeopardy. What's that song? Didn't Weird Al do a, um, a song on Jeopardy? No, it's not that Weird Al version of Jeopardy. It's not the show Jeopardy by Alex Trebek, the late, great Alex, Alex Trebek. It's a certain type of Jeopardy, which I will explain in full to you if you listen to this whole Rockney cast. But at the end, I'm going to give you some, you know, recommendations on the book and my favorite part, and also give you kind of a heads up of what we're going to be covering on the Rocky cast. If you do enjoy the Rocky cast, do recommend it to your friends, your enemies, your allies, your mom, your dad, your kids, your dog. You, they can all benefit. But in particular for this episode, share this with a teen, young person, adult, people that are going through tough times, because the work of Phil Stutz actually does work. And so I'm going to talk about how I learned about Phil Stutz, describe who he is, and then we'll get into some of the themes of his work. And hopefully this can kind of start you on your own path so you can study Stutz 
so you can be have a man crush on Phil just like I do. Now, Jonah Hill, like, I don't really give a shit about Jonah Hill other than Phil Stutz is his counselor. I've never seen Superbad. I could give a shit about Superbad. I suppose I should watch it. But Jonah Hill like, has some major issues and Stutz is his counselor. And he really has helped him get through a lot of these major issues. And I just said it. And Jonah, Jonah actually showed me who Phil Stutz was. And so I'm very grateful for that, that he put me on to Phil Stutz. Jonah was the one who actually had the idea to make a movie about Phil Stutz. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. So how did I learn about Phil Stutz? Like many of you, you know, you're watching movies or you're saying, what the hell should I watch on Netflix? And so I watched and I opened it up and I was like, there's, this, there's something called Stutz. So I started watching Stutz. I'm trying to I'm trying to avoid saying and now. And I saw Phil Stutz. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? You know, and it didn't seem that interesting. Because he was like this 60-something therapist, and he's supposedly like the therapist to the stars, and he's kind of awkward, and Joe is kind of awkward. And so like you start the I hope you get to watch this on Netflix. It's really good. So it starts kind of awkward. But go through the whole thing because there really are some kernel of wisdoms here that I think you can use in your own life. And you can also share it with someone else. The other thing that I like about it is that it does not involve simple platitudes or truths, those simple solutions to sort of instantly solve all of your problems. The work of Phil Stutz identifies tools, tools that you can actually use to go through difficult times, transforming your life from one of difficulty and pain to one where you can actually be a creator. And it really is that good. So Phil Stutz, who is Phil Stutz? Well, he's, he's a psychiatrist by training. He evidently started in New York in the prison system. So he's kind of the typical prison psychiatrist in New York. I think he's Jewish. He grew up in New York. I don't think he's ever been married. Uh, he was very smart. I think he went to NYU uh, medical school, worked as a prison psychiatry psychiatrist. Somehow he got connected to California. All the stars love Phil Stutz, like Gwyneth Paltrow, Jonah Hill, and trust me, like, if you want to call up Phil Stutz for counseling, you are not going to get through. I mean, he charges, like, you know, a thousand bucks a session. He's not taking new clients. He also has some health issues. So I think this is kind of the effort, and I really appreciate this about Jonah Hill. I don't think he really made this for the money. He really has helped and been helped by Phil Stutz. Phil Stutz, I think, realizes that he's not going to be seeing any new patients. And these tools or things that they talk about are ones that you can actually use. And I thought that would be very helpful for you to all go through in terms of identifying uh, what you can use in your own life. So I was kind of skeptical because I don't know about you. When I'm you know, Hollywood and it's like, you just think like, oh my God, is it just going to be like some secret where you just kind of like quiver your butt cheeks and take an enema and look to the east and, you know, do a pretzel and take a swig of whiskey and 
then do downward facing dog and then you'll emerge like after hot stones on your back. No, it doesn't do that. The reason why he gained instant credibility with me as I watched this particular episode is that I think he's kind of, and Stutz, what I love about Stutz, he's kind of the perfect blend. You know, academics, I my dad is a professor, so I'm not knocking, but I'm kind of knocking academics lately, especially ones that get too big for the riches. Why? Because they're not tethered to reality. What's the opposite end of the spectrum? The people that are so enmeshed in reality, you know, like your Uncle Earl, and they're just like, everything they believe is just based upon their observation. Like, well, Marx, Burns, like your barber. Well, we have all these opinions. They're just kind of, everything's just observation, see? And, you know, they just kind of just make observations. It's all personal experience, no theory. What I love about Stutz, Phil Stutz, prison psychiatrist in the early 70s, now who's the counselor to the stars, is he kind of provides the perfect balance between the theory. He, he was trained as a psychiatrist. He does know mental health disorders. He knows the true mental health disorders of schizophrenia and paranoia and, and depression. But he also has 25 years of clinical practice with clients. His primary objective is not to just sort of say like, well, well you know, kind of like the stereotypical uh uh, therapist was like, well, why don't what what do you, you know like how you go to like a therapist and like, well, what do you think? Like you just sit on the couch and like they rub your back and you're just like, oh no, what 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 did your daddy do to you? Like, what are the issues that you have growing up? And Phil just right from the get go, his theory of clinical practice, he kind of instinctually thought like, look. I'm not going to get anywhere if I'm just telling people just to go like think about what your mommy did to you or your dad or, you know, that you didn't get the prize when you were in first grade at the science fair or sixth grade or whatever. I'm not going to get anywhere. When people go to a counselor, they're not going to just see like what their own experiences and try to figure everything out on themselves. They're going for help. So, you know, like in the physical context, and, and that's one of the reasons why, even though I love Phil Studd, psychiatrist, and I love, um, there are certain aspects of psychology that I find very fascinating. As a field psychiatry, the vast majority of them suck because it's all, and especially therapy, like, well, what do you think? And find your own truths. Well, it's just like saying, oh, well, I have a mole on my ass, and I wonder whether it's a, a melanoma or not. Are you supposed to just sort of figure it out yourself? I, I don't know. I'm going to you. Help me out. Diagnose it. Is it a melanoma or not? Right? I mean, that's why you go to see a doctor. Phil doesn't believe that when you go in for counseling, and right from the start, he realized that that was insufficient. If I'm going to you for counseling, I got issues. Although I think they're going to you could not have issues. I think everyone should go to counseling. I think it's very helpful. And at some point, I'm going to outline what I've learned from my counselor. Yeah, he's he's pretty much as good as Phil Stutz, except you're not, his name is Brandon Brandon Wall. It's fucking awesome. You're not going to get in with him though, because he's like booked out like nine months in advance. But Phil believed he needed to have tools. That is to say, rather than going into the clinical setting, asking 
and just sort of looking back at your own experience, he actually identifies various techniques that you can use to one, address the pain that you're feeling, number one, but two, to sort of teach you how to navigate that pain so you can be productive, optimistic, and move forward in a positive, healthy way. Now, of course, that's the goal of all counseling, to get people in a healthy space to deal with their pain and to move forward. But one of the reasons why Phil was so successful is he kind of rejected the, the conventional model. So Phil believes he needs tools. So it begs the question, Cole, what the hell are those tools? In this particular episode on Netflix, they identify kind of his overarching theory. And here's where I love it. First of all, before he gets into the concept of your mind, right? Most people go to a counselor when they're anxious. What, what are the probably the three big things? Anxiety, stress, and depression. Think about how much misery. That's what's going on inside your brain. And that's why you go to see a therapist to address. I mean, those are the big three, anxiety, stress, and depression. You can know what those things are, but to, to, to address those is extremely complicated. And the field of psychiatry has failed for a long time. So first off, before he even gets to the concept of mind, which is what a counselor is focused on, he gets into what he describes as the life force. What is the life force? It's kind of a George Lucas version of the life force. This ineffable, mysterious force of creation. That And before you think he's too woo-woo, that is where I am in terms of that. You know what? A lot of people, you know, like when you have your, your junior year of college, your freshman year of college debate about whether God exists or not. What are you really doing there? You are engaging a debate over what you perceive your definition of that force called God. Is that person human? Is that person, is, is there really some white guy up there with big, huge white beard with like long flowing robes? Is that version? I think that's where people get hung up. Bill does not get into that. Like George Lucas, he just kind of acknowledges, okay, we're all here, people. There's this life-creating force that is here, that is mysterious, that is something that is incredibly powerful, and we can either ignore it or channel it at our own peril. But he connects this kind of ineffable force to actual his 30, 40 years of actual clinical practice. So it's kind of woo-woo and practical at the, at the same time, which is extremely difficult to do. So before he gets in, so there's this life force. So what is the life force? And how does he get people in a good state of mind where they can move forward? Well, the first thing he does, before he gets into the mind, he talks about the life force, they identify essentially a pyramid. What's at the bottom of the pyramid? Before he even gets into like what's going on in terms of the stress, anxiety, and the depression, he said, before you do that, you need to focus on your body. And that may sound obvious, but what are the three things of the body? Are you getting enough sleep? What's your diet look like? What kind of alcohol or drug intake are you engaging in? What sort of exercise are you getting? Those things are easily correctable. And he talks about emotional well-being about 85 percent before he even gets into the psychological techniques 
85% of his clients feel better once they get reoriented around those, those, those things. Diet, exercise, sleep, nutrition, substance abuse, those basic things. And there are techniques that you can use that related to that, which he recommends and refers people to. And some of them are incredibly simple. And I'm not sort of beyond the scope of this particular podcast, but that's part of what I'm trying to do with the podcast is offer you a lot of what I've learned relating to feeling good in your, in your body. Up on the pyramid, he gets to people. What kind of community do you have? Who are you associating with? What are the dynamics like in your family, your friends? Because these are also sources of enormous strength and comfort and joy, but also stress and problems. So how, how are you interacting with the people around you in your workplace, with your friends, with your family, focusing on what you can control and what you can't? At the tip of that pyramid is your mind. And this is where we get into anxiety, stress, and depression. But here we get into the actual tools focusing on, I mean, the tools are for the body and of course, tools for your social sphere. But it's also the top thing is how do you address the anxiety, stress, and depression that so many people face and why? Does he offer, here's why I love Phil Stutz and why I just found him to be super credible. He does not offer any super quick fixes super solutions when there are any influencers on social media like in real estate like boy financial system is geared to you it doesn't have to be hard there's a lot of really quick solutions so you can you could have a multi-family property overnight now that's that's just that's just not accurate you're not going to get into real estate until you save money don't got debt and you got financial resiliency or else I don't care what technique, there's no shortcut. You're not going to, you know, there's that book like The Secret. If I just wish, I'm just going to sit and look off into the east and quiver my butt cheeks a little bit and just wish and hope. Now, there is something to positive reinforcement, so I'm not totally discounting that. I am going to eventually do a podcast on Norman Vincent Peale. And a lot of what he teaches is Christian mantras. Explain how that will actually improve your day-to-day well-being. So there is something to that, but that's not what Stutz is focusing on. So what is Stutz focusing on? He taught his central theme about life is this. And you're going to kind of like say, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I'm going to listen to this guy. You're going to talk to Buck. But go down go down to local cases and say, yeah, Buck. I met this guy called Stutz. And here's what he teaches. You're going to think like, oh, my God. I'm going lo- to love this guy. Yeah, you're going to love this guy. What is life? The essence of life, according to Phil Stutz, this is why I freaking love him, is pain, uncertainty, and constant work. Pain, uncertainty, and constant work. And a lot of you are probably thinking, I did it and trying to get rid of my ands, people, but it's hard. Work with me. The certainty of life is pain, uncertainty, and constant work. So how are we supposed to deal with this as a theme? 
And why should that make the work of Phil Sutt so powerful? Why, why will that actually make you happy? The reason is, is he describes that as universal for everyone. He works because he realizes that one of the greatest detractors or things that hold you back from the time you first start feeling bad, you know, when you're in junior high and you're like, oh my God, everyone else has a girlfriend and I don't. Or you hit middle age and you're like, oh my God, they're going to Bermuda and I'm going to like Festina. Holy shit. No, what he says is, this is universal. Everyone experiences that. Michael, Tom Brady experiences that. So the people, though, that are ultimately happy, as Stutz defines it, and fulfilled and creators are people that know how to navigate those things called pain, uncertainty, and constant work. The work of Phil Stutz is about tools, how you can bridge from that starting point to unlock what you're extraordinarily good at to move forward and be a creator and in charge of your own life and experience happiness in a way that you never thought possible. So I'm not going to identify all the tools. To learn about the tools, you should buy the book. It's by Barry Michaels and Phil Stutz. It's called The Tools. Five tools to help you find courage, creativity, and willpower and inspire you to live life in forward motion. So I'm going to identify two. His concept of... Sorry, my mom just called me, so I had to pick up the phone. So what are the two key things that he talks about in terms of tools? So I'll share two of them, because I think those are going to be some of the most important tools of his work that you can probably start using right away. Number one, why do so many people not achieve what they want to achieve in life and live on their deathbed thinking, oh my God, why didn't I do X, Y, or Z? It's because of what Stutz calls the shadow force. What is the shadow force? The shadow force is the opposite of that little spirit in your body that thinks like, oh, well, you know, I'm not that bad looking or I, I think I'm actually pretty smart and I could be just as good as they are. So we all have that part of our ego, but what do we have in addition to that? That shadow force, that inner source of negativity and critic that tells us you're kind of fat. You aren't that talented. You're never going to get laid. You're just going to be a total loser. You, you have this inner critic. So why does this, why would we think like, oh my God, how might be awareness of the shadow force help me deal with the central aspects of life, pain, uncertainty, and constant work? Because everyone experiences the shadow force. Everyone experiences that inner critic that thinks that you're not good enough to do anything. And... Stutz teaches you how to address that particular shadow force. 
The first thing is to be aware that, in fact, you have the shadow force, that you have this inner critic that tells you you're not good enough, that tells you not to then try to do what you're put on this earth to do, that tries to ensure that you'll never do what you want to do. And how do they do that? The shadow force is deeply and hardwired into the pain centers of your body. We are wired, we are wired to avoid pain. So not only do we have this critic that is like, you are fat, you are not smart enough, you are not making money, you have this thing called conflict or pain avoidance, which is hardwired in humanity. Why is that so important? When we were on the savannah trying to stop being eaten by a lion, we're wired to avoid things that freak us out. That is how we are wired. We are also wired for inactivity and pleasure, which keep us inactive. And they also keep us sort of sedated as far as that goes. What's the other thing if you don't know how to deal with the pain? Well, number one, if the pain is connected, so not only does the pain connected to the shadow force, the critic, saying that you're not good enough, you are a loser, you are fat, you are not good in sports, you are not doing what you're put on this earth to do. There's this thing called pain that you want to avoid. Why is that so important? If you do pain avoidance, you will engage in procrastination. You will engage in drug abuse. You will probably, if you're not mindful as to the source of that pain, engage in all sorts of behaviors that are going to leave you fatter, more depressed, and more dysfunctional because you are not mindful as to the source of, of what's happening that you are engaging in the concept of pain avoidance. What is procrastination? Procrastination is pain avoidance. It's something that you don't want to do that you know you should do. And so why don't you do it? You don't have the tools to access the pain and cross that pain because the central aspect someone who's successful, according to Stutz, and someone who's not successful, is how they navigate their own inner fear and pain. So what is the particular tool that Stutz uses? And I'm going to actually give you the three-step process that he identifies. And that's a little hinky, but you get the point in terms of what he's trying to do. So there's a three tools that you use according to Stutz. First is, is to focus on the pain that you're avoiding. See it and peer in front of you as a, as a cloud. You're visualizing the pain. Silently scream, bring it on. To demand the pain, you want it, you desire it. You're visualizing it. Number two, silently scream to yourself, I love pain as you keep moving forward. 
move so deeply into the pain you're at one with it bring it on feel the cloud spit you out and number three feel the cloud spit you out and close behind you say inwardly pain sets me free as you leave the cloud feel yourself propelled forward into the realm of pure light some of you may be skeptical to this. That's the three-step. Focus on the pain you're avoiding. Scream silently. Number two, I love pain. I pity the fool. I love pain. You got to Mr. T your pain. Number three, you got to feel the cloud spit you out. It's just like you're released in an anima. And say, oh my gosh, I'm in pure light. Some of you are probably skeptical of that. Yeah, is that really? It's not a little Hollywood. First of all, one of the things Stutz acknowledges is that you got to practice these techniques. You're not going to get any instant relief in terms of what you're addressing. Why is this his central insight? Because for whatever reason, and I don't know why this is, I think you can have to bring this up with the creator, the origin of the life force. I call him Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, because I'm a Christian. But whatever you want to call him is up to you. Now, my friend Kevin is listening to me. Kevin, it's okay to have discussions about labels. So just the creator, Yahweh, the Lord giver of life. Stutz calls him the life force. The way that the life force has divine things is the only way to unlock your physical potential, your mental potential, and your psychological potential, your intellectual potential, is through pain, addressing it head on. It's uncomfortable. Stephen Pressfield, the great writer of The Art of War, which I think The War of Art, talks about this as the resistance. Anyone who's a creator or a fighter or an entertainer, if they're about ready to go on stage, it's scary. They're anxious. They get anxious too. One of the things that I loved about watching the recent documentary on Conor McGregor was I got really nervous before the fight because I, I was really anxious, not because I wanted to know who would win or lose, but I could feel Conor McGregor's anxiety. Am I going to get through this fight? Am I going to get my ass kicked in front of millions of people? I mean, think about when you go into the ring you know, a lot of our failures are silent, where if you're trying to lose weight, you have a brownie and you silently weep to yourself, like, we can't, I get that brownie. And you go over and you just kind of go turn on the Netflix and put on your, your sweatpants and have maybe a couple brownies. You just feel kind of bad, but these are silent failures. And you just kind of have accountability to yourself. When Conor McGregor goes on, He's literally in front of multi-millions of people who are waiting to see him humiliated. But yet, he's able to continue doing that even after he loses. He has lost. He's 22-6. and six. Stutz recognizes the only way to activate the creative power that you have physically is pain. Exercise is uncomfortable. Exercise is uncomfortable. Intellectual work, when you are doing 
uh, writing, Pressfield calls this the resistance. Andrew Huberman talks about the psychological state that when you get when you're in a creative space, it's a combination of adrenaline and dopamine. It's an agitated emotional state that's not that far away from anxiety. It is something that's very similar to anxiety. It's, it's kind of a little uncomfortable. I've gotten to the point now with doing the podcast that I kind of feel uncomfortable if I don't do the podcast. And it's kind of like with, with running or once you get really good at running, you start craving it. But it's that initial barrier that a lot of people get sidetracked. So in terms of their career, like let's say you want to be an actor or a pilot or a whatever. It's painful to get to that stage of your career. If you want to be an actor, it's painful. You're going to be rejected a lot of time and your weakness are going to be exposed and here's the worst thing. Other people are going to tell you, you're kind of ugly. You're not good enough. You're a little tummy. Your voice is kind of weird. I had one dude, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of agitated about it. He once complimented me on my voice. And I was like, oh, I feel, I'm feeling kind of good. Oh, oh my God. Well, I do. I do. You know, there was that homeless guy that had a radio voice. And I'm like, hey, I can do that. KFMW Rock 108. So he complimented me. Oh, yeah, you got a radio voice. I said, well, of course, you also got a radio face. And I'm like, yeah, that didn't make me feel particularly good, especially coming from a dude. I'm like, okay, dude. I mean, like, if you, if I have a radio face, it's certainly better than you're at. Your face, Jeff. So that, it, the, the negativity, this is the other thing, too. No matter how many times people compliment me when I do good work, the negativity cuts and it stays with you. So if you get that negative feedback, it's hard to get to that next level. And so the ones that are successful, the Bill Burrs, he's talked to, there's a YouTube channel on, on Bill Bird where he talks about how painful it was in the early stages of his career, where they were literally dumpster diving for food and no one was laughing at his jokes. Chris Rock, when he prepares for a huge tour he does he tries his material out in front of like random people at a clubs they know how to confront their pain they have that central aspect of that we all share as human beings pain uncertainty and constant work so why is phil stuff so important in connection with that a lot of people don't realize this they kind of expect that Life hasn't happened the way they expected. One, because they're the only ones that are experiencing these particular travails. They're the only one that hasn't activated their, their desire to be a poet or to be a writer or to be a creator or a professional athlete. And the ones that get to those levels or to that level are ones that know how to navigate their pain. And you can start by using the techniques that Phil Stutz uses. So when you think about what I love about this is it's kind of like almost the metaphor of the sound barrier. In nearly everything that you do creatively, there's an initial mountain that you have to climb that is extremely uncomfortable. Why do creators end up being so good at creating these really powerful content writers, 
because they've been on the other side of the mountain and they know how good it feels to produce really good work. It takes time. My podcast, when I started, sucked. I listened to my most recent podcast. I used the word and too much. I'm still figuring it out. You are my guinea pigs. You are listening in and tuning in. And you can always turn off. I still have to use and. It's hard not to use and. But I'm trying to minimize it because I'm practicing. I know how good it feels to create content and to share with what I have in the world out to the world writ large, because I think that one of my talents is my voice. I think I'm kind of good at it. And I want to share these little things like with Stutz to you so you can share those. I want to be a light to light to you. But it was painful to get started. I had no clue about how to set up a podcast. I didn't know the technology to use. I'm still figuring out the microphone. It's painful. And it was especially painful to start. I didn't even know how to, should I just like post audio to a website? I didn't know how to access Anchor or anything like that. I was really fortunate to have a good friend help me out who's like a total tech guru. And Greg, I'm going to be reaching out to you soon because we're going to be doing some videos. I want to do some vlogs. I have no idea how to do that. But there's pain uncertainty. It's kind of stressful. But now with podcasting, I'm on the other side of the mountain. In my graduation advice that I gave for people, I tried to give things that I thought were helpful. Unfortunately, my use of the word and, I hope people didn't get too annoyed by that. But I tried to convey little kernels of wisdom that they could actually use. One of them is this navigation of pain. So maybe my, my best piece of advice that you should give to your graduate, your student, your college student, or someone going through a midlife crisis, or even someone at the end of their life, that there are tools to a lot of these, a lot of these things that you're feeling, pain, uncertainty, and constant work, Stutz universalizes them. And what makes him so credible is that he's working with Hollywood stars. You would think Hollywood stars, they're making millions of dollars. They're extremely good looking. They've been cast in a movie, something that someone literally killed for. And some of them are total emotional wrecks. It's clear based upon Jonah Hill. He still is wracked with anxiety. I think he really wanted to do this because Stutz has helped him. And to realize that Jonah Hill goes through this stuff too is the first step. So I'll use one example in relation to pain where he's talking about step two is embracing the pain using the concept of exercise. If you're not used to exercising, I see so many overweight people. Why don't they exercise more? They know they need to move more. It's painful. They're not used to it. It's uncomfortable. If their clothes don't fit right. Their shoes don't fit right. Why do people that are really fit, why do they, do they have more willpower? No. They know how good it feels once they've broken through to the other side, number one. And number two, they've seen the fruits of getting a six-pack and getting ripped. And then they realize that that pain of exercise 
is necessary. And that's how they come to embrace it because they know what's going to do on the other side. So if there's a case that I'm not, I'm not really that think about when I work on, I think about what can those resources give to me when I work on the case? Well, that can, that can allow me to buy new equipment for the podcast. So these are things that you need to be able to realize. And Stunts helps explain this to you that everyone experiences pain. So with exercise, step one, think about the pain that you're avoiding. It's uncomfortable to exercise. Step two, say, bring it on. I'm going to exercise. Why? Because I know how good it's going to feel on the other side of that. Step three, get it done. You will then know on, and as you emerge from that cloud how good it feels to get that endorphin rush. The one thing that he doesn't talk a lot about, and this is maybe a little bit of a detour, a couple different things with procrastination, number one. That actually... Don't do that too often because if you're constantly procrastinating about something, you're probably just not very good at it. So do think about what you truly desire and want. I do think that pain is telling you something, at least in the book. I don't think that point is necessarily made. You do need to find, and pain or procrastination is a signal to you that maybe you're not really good at that particular item. Number two, I think he just, I, I, I think you could uh, break it down into smaller steps. So I think if you want to connect for your high school graduates or college graduates, the work of tools, number one, and number two, the work of James Clear Atomic Habits, because he always talks about identity and little small steps that reinforce that particular identity and connecting it to overcoming that pain. Yeah, exercise is painful, but if you're really fat, can you walk around the block once and start doing that once a day? Can you do two jumping jacks a day? Yeah, anyone can do that unless they're totally disabled. So that's the pain. Embrace the pain. And a lot of you are saying, I've heard that before, but Stutz does it in a way which I think would be very helpful to you. So that's the first point I want to make. The second thing relates to this concept, and this is what I tried to convey in my podcast on graduation advice to the to the seniors, which so far is totally bombed. So apparently people don't really want to hear what Cole has to say in connection with graduation advice. But it's a concept that Stutz identifies as Jeopardy. Jeopardy, I think, is enormously important because it really gets into what is Jeopardy? Jeopardy is that view of yourself, envisioning yourself into the future on your deathbed. And again, you're probably thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to think about death? Why? That's just bullshit. I'm not going to, why would I be happy? Well, here's why it'd be super, and this is totally stoic. So he's probably read Marcus Aurelius. The Stoics call this negative visualization. It's no matter how much your life sucks, imagine what your life would be without certain things. So like, for example, if you don't like the job that you have, think about your life with no job, visualize your life with that. If your house, you're like, oh my God, I wanna have a huge house and my house sucks and you're really negative, visualize what it would be like if you didn't have a house that kept you warm during the winter. Jeopardy is the concept of negative visualization that you do whatever stage you are in your life, as long as you're not actually on your deathbed, go there and think about your death. 
wherever that could be. Tomorrow, 30 years into the future, none of us know when that's going to happen. But think about yourself on the deathbed. And think about the things that you want to do that you wish you could have done on your deathbed. Travel, spend more time with your family, you know, the class. And that's not super advice in terms of, yeah, no one regrets not spending enough time at the office, but it's deeper than that and more profound than that. Because once you start thinking about jeopardy, your own death and the things that you want to do, why does that make you feel so happy? Well, if you're listening to this podcast uh, right now, you're not on your deathbed. And if you are on your deathbed, I mean, sorry, I mean, if you, if you got a couple of minutes left, I mean, it's less, hopefully you got more than a couple of minutes left, but I don't mean to minimize this, you know, what you're going through, but most of us aren't there yet. Why is this so important? Because if you realize that you're going to die, and we all will, you absorb each day as this incredibly valuable resource that you need to be productive. This could be my last podcast that I ever get to share with you. And today I'm sitting in Austin, Iowa, and I'm looking out at the cornfield, the blue sky, the sun is shining. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. This is a day that I'm not going to waste by fighting with other people, by stressing out. It is a gift to me. I don't know. And it's worth more than any amount of money that I could possibly imagine. It's the time that I have. Because you could be a multi-billionaire. Guess what? Jeff Bezos has just the same amount of time as we do. So once you realize that your time is limited, you get a sense of urgency because of that awareness of the jeopardy that you shouldn't waste it fucking around and arguing over pointless things and worrying about whether your food got there. I used to have these friends that would just, just get their panties in a bundle if their, if their bread got to the table like five minutes late. Like, who the hell cares? Just enjoy it. We're with friends. We don't know if we'll ever be able to have that again. If you're anxious or you're feeling these sorts of ways, what are the things that are you, do you want to live your last day where you're anxious about something? It may or may not ever happen. That gives you the energy and the desire to get moving and to think about, it's like your Jimmy Stewart on the day that he comes back from the Angel Clarence. That's what they're talking about. He had awareness of his own death and jeopardy. After he realized he had the rest of his life, he was going to live the rest of his life with knowledge of the Jeopardy, with each day as a gift. Ebenezer Scrooge, same thing. He contemplated his own mortality, realized that he wasn't dead, and realized he had so much more to offer on into the future. So those are the two tools that he talks about, the shadow force, and how to overcome that inner critic through conscious awareness of pain and a tool to get you from the shadow force over to the creative force where you're self-directing. Number two, the concept of jeopardy, awareness of your own mortality, realizing that you're not dead and being like Jimmy Stewart. Oh my God, Clarence, I'm just so happy. This thing's pretty good, Jimmy Stewart imitation. So those are the things you get, and you can get this in the book. And they also talk about the book, rightfully so. Michaels, and it's clear that Michaels, Barry Michaels wrote most of the book. That Stutz, I think, probably did some just sort of oral dictation related to the book. 
But they clearly say this isn't the type of thing where it's a quick fix. You actually got to practice. Just like your muscle, these life-building skills are things you actually have to practice. And I think especially for young people who can get off the wrong track, they think they're the only ones that have fear, uncertainty, and constant work. They're the only ones that have this inner critic that they're not that good looking, that they're not that smart, that they're not that talented. I've done a lot of my own work on the gap, the gap between what you could be and what you actually are based upon what? The biggest thing holding so many people back is pain avoidance. That is the biggest thing. And if you can't address your own pain through the work of people like Stutz, you are not going to get where you need to be. People like Conor McGregor, they confront the pain. They learn to realize that, hey, that pain is what made me a multimillionaire. That pain has allowed me to get fit. That pain has allowed me to have the life that they want to have. Politicians, it's scary to run for an election. The military, obviously, there's a lot of pain and fear that they go through, too. Anyone that's been a creator, Elon Musk got humiliated the other day with Ron DeSantis. He is going to be okay. Both of them are because they know how to overcome pain and they realize pain, uncertainty, and constant work are part of life. And you can't run from them. You can only confront them. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rockney Cast, focusing on the tools of Phil Stutz. Major, major, major man crush on Phil Stutz. I think he is an incredible person. For those of you who don't like to read and you're like, oh, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to sit and have a cocktail. And I just, I don't know, maybe this is just kind of bullshit. Well, you can at least watch Netflix. Watch the Stutz documentary on Netflix. It's good. For those of you who like to read and many of the Rocky cast do, get the book, The Tools, Five Tools to Help You Find Courage, Creativity, and Willpower inspired to live life in forward motion. Bill Stutz and Barry Michaels, read the book, give it to a graduate. I would say probably my biggest advice, give this to a high school graduate and couple it and pair it with James with James Clear. And in fact, I'm going to give it to my daughter so she can read that book by James Clear and also by Phil Stutz. I think those are two of the biggest books that you can give to people. So that's it for this episode of the Rocky Cast. I am going to tread back into politics because Ron DeSantis is kind of bugging the hell out of me. And these Paul Ryan Republicans are kind of bugging the hell out of me. So I kind of need to see to get that out of the system. So hopefully you can kind of deal with that. One of the nice things about a podcast, if you don't want to listen, you don't have to tune in. It's up to you in terms of whether you want to do that. But if the gratitude that you have tuned in, do share this podcast with other people on Spotify, Apple, or all places where podcasts are heard. And keep growing this audience because this is something that I want to do full time. But I can't do that if a lot of you who, are, who love this podcast aren't sharing the word. It's just me. I need to grow this podcast. I need to grow this podcast. I want to be as big as possible. Right now, I'm kind of like I'm toiling in obscurity, but that is okay because I love this aspect of what I do. It's what my gift is. It's what my desire is. And it's what I was put on this earth to do was to share my ideas with you and entertain you in the process so that you can improve your life. So the next, keep tuning into these high quality episodes of the podcast. Until next time, you and I meet again on the Rockney cast. <laughs>